Hey, everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. Good show today. One of the real old heads, real OG, one of the most important people we have in the cannabis investing community, Matt Hawkins of Entourage Effect Capital. Uh, he's been in the space investing since like 2014. They've done 60 plus deals uh, all across the, the asset classes. One of the most knowledgeable people we have in the industry and uh, a really super nice guy. We get into a lot of great great topics. We talked about him raising a new round, the portfolio wins that he's had so far, the early days of Harborside and his role there. We talk about what's an asset class outside of cannabis he might like. How does he like to consume the ever-evolving illicit market? Uh, Matt just has great, great ideas on all of these different issues. Like I said, one of the most connected, most knowledgeable dudes we've got in the industry. I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Matt, so nice to have you back on, friend. It has been a while. I was looking, I think it's been three or four years. You were still Cresco at the time. Wow. Yeah. yeah well, a lot's happened since then. Well, a lot. Thanks sure. for having me on, Brandon. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excited to catch up. There's not too many people that I've had on twice, but you certainly are worthy all the stuff that you're working on these days. Oh, my um, gosh. I feel I feel so special. <laughs> you should warm hugs <laughs> through the Zoom. Uh, well, but for anybody that doesn't know who you are, tell us about Entourage Effect Capital. What is it? Why does it exist? Give us a little intro there. Sure. Uh, well, you you started by saying I was on when we were Cresco Capital Partners. That was our kind of the name out of the gate that I started when, or I came up with in 2014 uh, when I started the firm. Uh, a couple of years ago, we changed it to Entourage Effect Capital because uh, Charlie Bechtel and I got sick of getting confused with one another. Uh, Charlie is obviously the CEO of Cresco Labs, and we laugh about it, how, you know, they basically just kind of, did a Google search for a good can name for for cannabis or weed and uh, <laughs> Cresco is Latin for grow. So we just both happened wow. to stumble upon one we liked, but it's pretty funny. That is funny. Um, but, you know, they, as I told Charlie back then, I mean, look, you guys have a brand. We, our, our brand is our track record. We're just investors. I mean, they're actually, you know, selling product and that's, and so it's, it was a, yeah. Yeah. It, and it's the best thing we, we've, we've sort of generating good returns. It's one of the best things we've done as a firm. So anyway, long story short, uh, we are an investment a firm that's been investing in cannabis since 2014. Uh, we've invest, we're investing out of uh, three funds, uh, multiple different special purpose entities. Uh, and we've probably made north of 60 some odd investments during that time out of, out of all those uh, uh all those vehicles. So it's been a quite a ride. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, um, you know, an honor and a, and, uh, and something I'm very proud of that we are one of the first movers in the space from the investment side, uh, in cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we've got the track record now that, that, uh, you know, we're excited because people and companies want us and their, and their capital, uh, you know, in their cap stacks uh, because of who we are, what we've done and um, the value that we can bring as a result of our, uh, you know, our history and, and knowledge of the industry. 
and deal flow, I would assume as well. Um, so let's talk about the portfolio a little bit, kind of a, as a whole. Um, is there what's some of the biggest wins out of the funds so far? Like, or what sure. trending really well? You know, kind of give me the highlights if you want. Well, um, you know, fund one was was a rising tie that was you know fourteen to seventeen. You know, we were you know early investors in. Uh, back when GTI was still private, we were we invested in High Street Capital Partners that was acreage, um, you know, sold acreage at a, at a great time when they had gone public. Uh, we sold a few companies to Cure Relief, sold a few companies to Canopy Growth, including Ebu. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we Fund One has done remarkably well. That, we were obviously early investors in uh, the farm. Uh, uh, the Harborside Farms that's, that we then merged into the parent company that we now, um, you know, control the board of, and I'm the chairman. Um, uh, that you know, that's a big fund two position. Yep. Uh, you know, we were we we kind of led the Terrasend uh, pipe several years ago, and that was a huge windfall for us for fund two. Um, you know, and now we're focused on fund three, and we're you know we're raising. Fund three, uh, but we're also investing out of fund three right now. We've made some really cool investments um, out of that fund. And I'll just a couple of examples are Hound Labs, which is the only uh, breathalyzer for THC that, that measures THC content in your body sure. at that particular moment. Super so, cool. You know, huge, huge uh, uh, opportunity just because impairment's going to be a, a big deal, you know, for uh, crossing state lines for transportation companies, things of that nature. Uh, we're investors in Curio Wellness, the leader in, in Maryland and other mid-Atlantic states, Organic Remedies in Missouri, uh, single state operator there that's about to expand into some other Midwestern states, um, and, and also Dama Financial. So there's, you know, but we, we're, we're positioned in Fund 3 to do some really cool things that are Typically outside of California, Fund 2 is a big California presence. I think Fund 3 is going to be more focused on some limited licensing states, or limit, limited license states, and the uh, you know, obviously going moving east from, from California. So we're, we're just, you know, we're excited about how even though the market's depressed right now uh, for, for groups like us that have capital, it's a great time to buy. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about one that got away? Is there an investment you didn't do that you wish you had? Oh, there's multiple, but uh, I'm not going to uh, lick my wounds over those because you know. And there's a lot of lot of deals we said no to that were that were you know really happy we said no to. But there's always ones that you wish you had done. So, um, and those guys know who they are, and they give me a hard time about it all the time. No sense in crying over spilled milk, though. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I always like to. Uh, I had a, a boss that skipped on Twitter one time. <laughs> so well, that, yeah, you keep you, you harp you harp on things like that, and it'll keep you up at night. I I, I like my sleep too much. <laughs> uh, that that's good. That's good. Sleep is good. Um, so look, obviously, you have one of the best opinions across the finance side of cannabis. You brought up how the market is. Abysmal at the moment, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, um, it is. And I, and I think the question for a lot of retail investors, obviously, we don't give any investment advice on this show, but um, 
you know, they're way down. Are all of these companies going to benefit from an uplisting or a legalization, or are we still trying to pick the winners? It's our opinion that the companies that have scale and that are creating scale right now will be the beneficiaries of an uplist when, whenever that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, large single state operators. I'll use Harborside as an example. Again, not giving investment advice, but Harborside as an example. You know, that is a large single state operator in California, one of the one of the largest, if not the largest in the state from a fully, fully vertically integrated standpoint. Um, but it's just being, you know, punished for no other reason but the fact that it's, you know, it's in California and it's a single state operator. It's not, it's not, it's not a tier one multi-state operator, even though the revenues are getting close to where it would be something that could be similar in nature. I think if they were in five states with that revenue, it'd be a different conversation. But that doesn't matter to us. Uh, what we're trying to do is we don't even look at the stock price right now. We just say, let's just build this company and just be is uh, you know focus on putting one quarter on top of the other and um, drive profitability, you know, execute on the business plan, and things take care of themselves. And if it happens that it's we are able to uplist in a couple of years, if not sooner, maybe it takes longer. Who knows? But that's when crazy institutional capitals get into the space. But short of that, you know, just like you said, retail investors are skittish. They mm-hmm. get in and out of stocks. They have been, you know, dramatically hurt by the, uh, you know, the, the catastrophic fall of some of these stock prices that, that for, for really no reason, other than the fact that there's just not enough capital to support these, these companies that, that, are, that are public. Yeah, I mean, one thing uh, I'm very confident about is people are going to want weed in the future. <laughs> yeah, so, it's not it's not going away. I mean, yeah. the demand. I mean, it, it's that that's the be- that's what I keep telling myself and anyone that'll listen is that look, this is an industry that is still in its infancy from a legalization standpoint. You, I mean, I don't. I, I, if someone told me that that forty percent of the illicit market nationwide has been converted, I would probably say that number's high. Mm-hmm. So there's so much low hanging fruit out there with, you know, a conversion opportunity, but it takes a lot of people, you know, rowing in the same direction. And that includes state regulators. That includes the recognizing that you can make more money as a state with lower taxes because you'll convert a larger swath of the illicit market. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's easy, simple mathematics, but too many states, California included, just don't seem to get it, but yeah, they've just fucked it up and New York's going to fuck it up. I know it, but yeah, anyway. I mean, it's, and, and, and I think, you know, I keep saying this, that, you know, Gavin Newsom, if not for COVID, I think would have, have changed this. Now they, they did, mm-hmm. uh, he did drop the cultivation tax, even though there's talk, they're going to back it back into the, to an increase on the excise tax, mm-hmm. but it's a step in the right direction. It's still nowhere near what it needs to be, but I, I just, I, I, we we as a firm are starting to be a lot more vocal about you know some of the, the the political aspects of this. You know we we're starting to look for the right candidates to support. Um, for instance, we hosted a fundraiser and um, but actually, and actually well we sponsored one in, in uh, 
uh, in South Florida for Nancy Mace, who's the uh, who just won her primary in South Carolina. She's a Republican representative who is sponsoring a, a cannabis uh, legalization bill. So, you know, that that's just setting politics aside, whether you're Republican or Democrat, the fact that a Republican is sponsoring something is a big deal. It is. So th- that's the kind of thing that that we're starting to look for and we're starting to be vocal about. And, you know, I just get up on my soapbox whenever I can and say to these state officials, be smart, be smart when you set up these, reg- you know, the regulatory framework, because you can convert a big portion quickly. If you don't, then you're not and you're going to be disappointed in your revenue. So in terms of I love that you brought up the illicit market, because I feel like people don't talk about it as much as they should. They kind of like to eh, like forget about it a little bit. Um, but yeah, as far as the illicit market is concerned, you said something like, how much is converted, you think? Uh, obviously, it's an estimate, but I've never heard it put quite that way. I, you know, I, I would say it's, def- it's different in every state. But in California, I can guarantee you it's 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 forty percent at best. At best, yeah, yeah. And wow. so I just think my, my point was is that I think likely nationwide, if if I and that's the thing is you just don't know how big the illicit market is. There's no data, mm-hmm. but I'm yeah. just here to say I think forty percent nationwide is probably still high. Do you think in California and some of the more legacy cannabis states, there's a cultural element that needs to change? Um, because when I talk to people, even people in the legal cannabis industry, there's this protection of legacy cannabis, as they like to say, or the illicit market. Do you find that? And and why do you think that continues? It, it's frustrating to me. I don't I don't you know, it, it's. I am all for social equity, you know, and and and. Uh, in, in allowing people that have been incarcerated wrongly to participate in the industry. I have no issue with that, but giving credit to the illicit market, because while it's hindering the growth of our market, the work we work so hard for to stay within the boundaries of legalization, I don't get that mindset at all. And I don't want to pay homage to it by calling it legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, the Steve D'Angelo is the world who 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 did switch and, and, and did a wonderful job of becoming a, you know, a, a, a world class legal company. Um, but that's where it stops. I mean, that those are the guys and the gals that I respect and say, great job. But the ones that are still doing it illicitly. Uh, that, you know, that, that's, that they're, they're, they're taking money out of our investors' pockets. And, and, I, and I don't like that. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, if you're a brand in California, and it's not only California, but I think it's magnified here. Um, it's got to be the most frustrating thing ever. And then the very people that you're buying raw material from are also selling it out the back door. I mean, I don't, I, I guess I don't understand why there isn't riots about this, you know? Well, I, I think there's a, I feel like there's an inflection point that's, that's, that's either getting hit or about to be hit. Um, you know, there's, that can't continue. I think in some cases it's been identified and stopped. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's the the more, but but this gets back to the enforcement of regulations. Um, we need more enforcement out of the local um, authorities to shut down illicit operations. I mean, it's just that simple. And if you're going to create this much revenue from the few of us that are doing things the right way, we'll spend some of that money to tamp down the illicit industry at the same time. And then we can all work together to figure out how to, to, to move forward you know, that is, that makes sense for everybody, but just this unilateral, here's your taxes, where you're going to do, and we'll just go find these illicit operators when we want to, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And and it's, and so I just still think there's, you know, the industry is still so nascent, still trying to find its sea legs, but the, but the, the more this is talked about and the, and the, and the, the louder the voices gets, um, you know, you got to be an agent for change. And I think that's what's, uh, I, I don't think it's that far off. Yeah. I, can't tell I agree. Where, but I, yeah. But it, I, I just feel like there's a little bit, it just feels a little bit different than it did say a year, year and a half ago. So one of the biggest, I, I guess, combatants of illicit market is brand, I think. Um, and we are starting to see a little more brand loyalty. Um, let's get out of California for a second. California and West Coast brands, they have this idea that they're going to move east and set up licensing deals. And everybody in New York and New Jersey and Massachusetts wants California brands. You agree with that? Uh, on one hand, yes. On the sec- on the other hand, no. Um, cookies is, you know, an amazing brand. They have no problem entering states that were, you know, that are new because cookies is a you know is a nationwide brand and in some cases a global brand um some of the you know almost everything else isn't so there are popular california brands and products that that can get into the other states you know easier than others um and i do think california has an advantage about you know we used to always say we st- start with the investing brands, excuse me, in California and then go East as opposed to trying to, you know, invest in a brand or, or a product, you know, East and then trying to go West. I don't think it works that way. <laughs> so, but by the same token, there is, you know, location bias in every other state where, because you've got to you still got to make it there and you got to package it there and you got to label it there. And so what difference does it make if it's a, you know, a Stizzy brand versus a, you know, a, a, you know, a Michigan brand. Mm-hmm. Um, very few people from Michigan probably even know what Stizzy is, but no. it's, um, but that, you know, but, but that's, a, not, that's not knocking Stizzy at all. It's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Stizzy's done a better job with branding, I think, than, than most have. For sure. 100, absolutely. Yeah. But it's, but it's not cookies. No, it's and, true. And, 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 that, and so there's a, there's just a, there is a, the gap is so big between cookies and everybody else that it's just, it's, uh, it's, you can't even have a conversation. And, and why do you think that is? I mean, is it burner? Is it a hip hop culture? I mean, why, why have they done, you know, not just in terms of numbers, but in terms of the cultural impact. All, 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 everything you just said. And then some, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, 
you know, you've got, I mean, I, I, it's great. I get on a plane now and I feel like every time I'm on a plane, I see a cookies, yeah. you know, flat bill or a hoodie. Mm-hmm. So you've got the, you know, you've got the apparel that's, that's there. I mean, some people probably wear that stuff, not even knowing that cookies is actually a, a cannabis mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, Burger's done an amazing job marketing himself and, and the, the brand and, uh, um, and Parker's done a great job at building it out. So, you know, it's, they're just, a, they're at a really good spot right now. Uh, we feel like, and, um, you know, and it's just that they're, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's an X factor there that I can't quite put my finger on, but very interesting. I'm going to Israel on Friday and you can buy cookies branded cannabis in the pharmacies in Israel now, which is just like so wild to me. Yeah. Um, but very cool. Very cool. All at the same yeah. time, right? Yeah. Um, let's talk about the limited license states for a couple minutes. We've talked about kind of California and the brand fight there. Um, as you look forward, like, do these states want to federalize, federally legalize cannabis? It doesn't seem that that would make sense for them crossing state lines and e-commerce and et cetera. I look, I think interstate commerce is a long, long way off for a variety of reasons, not just for what you said. Um, it's, it's, it's just going to be so complicated to unwind, you know, the states where cultivation is, you know, California, for example, I mean, it, it, the outdoor grows don't exist really anywhere else in the nation from a, you know, from a, from a quality standpoint, they can like for, you know, Salinas, they can grow it year round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Oregon can probably do it as well, but it's, it, it's, it's, I don't, I'm not smart enough to have the answers on how to unwind that. So what I think is going to happen just, you know, when it does is some type of, of version of the states act which is obviously just allowing each state to do it as they wish and federal government just stays out of it mm-hmm. um that's i think our preference too um but uh, yeah the, the, the of course each states don't want to have you know they don't want to share their revenue with others to you know they don't want to lose their cultivation tax they don't want to you know not have some of their, you know, if, if you just start having crossing state lines right now, I mean, you'd have no localized companies. I think it would all come from, from California. So uh, it's tricky. Yeah, but again, I don't, I don't have the answers to it. There are no easy answers for sure. Um, but there doesn't have to be either. That's the whole point is that this can be done legally and have the support of the institutional capital that's chomping at the bit right now to get at it w- without having that in place. So that uh, doesn't that doesn't worry us at all. Um, interesting. I would like to know that answer come a little farther uh, down the down the timeline. Um, so I guess, like as you look at a whole, as you take a look back. I, how are we doing across the board? Is is legal cannabis working? Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a you're talking about an industry that is, you know, in some cases growing the twenty percent compounded annual growth rate. Um, it's arguably a thirty billion dollar domestic industry already. You're you're burdened with so much tax 
uh, federally, state level, and municipal level, but yet companies are still able to stay afloat, if not become profitable. Um, we're, this is the hardest environment to operate in as a industry that as it ever will be. You know, we have no access to cheap capital. There's no lines of credit. There's no working capital. There's no uh, term loans. I mean, all the ter- everything is, if you get a loan, it's based on real estate or some crazy personal guarantees that are, you're, char- you're paying, you know, double digit interest rates. I mean, it's, yep. that, that, that's the beauty of the opportunity is that what's on the other side is that this is going to get easier. And if you can survive and thrive in this environment, my God, what are you going to do when things get easier? And there's no other industry that can say that. They can say they have, you know, this window as things change when more capital comes in and capital rolls freely through it and is supported by, you know, debt and leverage that isn't in place now. I mean, no other industry can say that. So I think it's a phenomenal business to be in. It's just with, with, just with the upside alone. I think that's well said. And that sounds like something the LPs have heard in your past. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, look, it's, I mean, but this isn't an easy time to raise money or invest, you know, period. Period. Yeah. It's not just cannabis. And so, you know, everybody's skittish right now, not knowing what the heck's going to happen with inflation and not know what the heck's going to happen with, you know, all the political, political nonsense that's out there. You know, it's just, it's, you know, gasoline prices, everybody's going cuckoo over all that. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a distraction. So we just keep our heads down, keep working hard and try to build these companies up that we're in already and look for the great opportunities that, that do exist right now and continue to find, you know, interested investors along the way. And it's going to be just fine. How do you think your relationship, your personal relationship with cannabis has evolved since 2014? Ah, good question. So uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, I mean, I'm not a prolific user, but I certainly, you know, now take uh, gummies for for sleep, you know, probably once or twice a week when necessary. Um, I do take an edible or two from time to time when I'm having fun and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the most important part of it is, um, my family, my, my, my mom has fibromyalgia and 10 years ago, back when the opioid crisis was, you know, right before our very eyes, before we knew it was a crisis, she had a doctor prescribe her opioids just to mitigate the pain. And she didn't know anything. She was a God fearing woman who just did what the doctor told her to do. Well, heck, if she didn't get addicted to it because she didn't know any different. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, millions of Americans are in the same boat. So long story short, she overcame that. And it was, you know, and, and the, but what's amazing is that she, I bring her cannabis, just, you know, a combination of CBD, THC gummy products from really when it's any legalized state I go to. Um, and that she uses that in small doses two or three times a day. And she's, you know, just incredibly sharp, incredibly pain-free, you know, doesn't have any, you know, of the residual effects that these damn, you know, awful pharmaceutical products had and have. 
and to me that's a that's been an amazing thing about the um, what the, what the what the plan has done for 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 our family amazing very very well said um if you weren't doing this what would you be doing probably still investing in boring you know uh growth companies or you know doing real estate transactions and i mean who knows but this is so much fun i'm never going to do anything i'm i'm never not going to invest in cannabis i mean that's what's so cool about it is that we have an opportunity to to take this firm you know from where it is now to you know managing billions of dollars as we go forward just because institutions are going to need good managers just like you know private investors and family offices do now so it's we're we couldn't be more excited about the opportunities on the horizon for us as a firm. Amazing. Um, I think that's a good place to start to wrap up. How can we help you? Are you hiring for anything? Are you looking, I don't know, are you looking for a CEO for some company? How, how can the audience help you? Um, you know, we always look for, I mean, look, the, the, the talent influx into the industry over the past couple of years has been nothing sort of amazing. Um, so, but we're always looking for, for bright, smart people with good track records, whether it's with us or with all of our, any of our companies. Um, yeah, I mean, we're just, you know, if people have an interest in the industry, either from an operating standpoint, investing standpoint, deal standpoint, they're welcome to reach out to us and we're, we're happy to, to, to keep in touch. Awesome, Matt. Well, thanks so much for your time and your candidness. It was uh, it was great. Awesome, Brandon. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it.